This week on Fielding Questions, we're talking about no hitters. Oh, the rarity of it. Totally the rarity of it. I mean, it's just like the probability of nine innings, 27 outs, no hits. And that's nearly impossible if you do the math on it. That's what's so amazing. Um, Johan, I remember getting home Friday afternoon, watching the whole game in front of the couch, and first Mets no hitter. Yeah, so that's always, always be on my mind. My 11-year-old is a fast-pitch softball player, and she had she had a no hitter going this summer at a, at a tournament game, and I, I wouldn't go near the field. I didn't want to be anywhere near a line of sight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally superstitious. <laughs> I'm Mandy Bell, Cleveland Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com. And with me, as always, is Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter also for MLB.com. Welcome back to Fielding Questions, where each episode we try to answer one big question about baseball by talking to players, talking to fans, and of course, talking to each other, which we do all the time anyway. Sarah, today is the episode I know I'm super excited about. It's about no hitters. They're one of our favorite things in baseball, obviously, and we hear the same from so many fans and players. So we want to know why, even when there have been more than 300 no-nos thrown in MLB history, are they still this mythical accomplishment everyone cares so much about? We'll talk to a few players who have experienced no-hitters firsthand to help us answer that, but first, let's just start with you, Sarah. What's your favorite no-hitter ever? Uh, I consider myself incredibly lucky because when I think about my favorite no-hitter, I can actually go through a list of no-hitters I've seen in person in my life and choose from one of those. But my all-time favorite has to be my perfect game. Not mine, David Cohn's, but it's mine because I was there There have only been, as of this recording, 23 perfect games in MLB history. I still can't believe that I was at one of them. And here we go. First pitch from Cody in there for a call strike. David Cohn on Yogi Berra Day in 1999 at Yankee Stadium. It was incredible. It was against the Expos. There was a rain delay during the game. We're there with my father's friend and then that friend's brother and his kids. And they left during the rain delay. (laughs) And they were like, hey, he's throwing a perfect game. And they were like, yeah, but it's a rain delay. This isn't going to continue. It did. story about that perfect game is that we got home and my mother calls her father my grandfather we told you to call your friends and says guess what daddy we were at a perfect game david cone has a perfect game and he goes oh yeah baseball is a perfect sport isn't it she's like no an actual perfect game (laughs) because that was before cell phones and getting an alert and knowing something is in progress. And he lived out on the West Coast. Why would he in 1999 have known that this perfect game was thrown at Yankee Stadium by David Cohn a couple hours prior? By the next day, he would know for sure. In reading the paper, maybe he would watch baseball tonight, at night, or see somewhere on ESPN. (laughs) But it was very realistic 
grim to have no idea. And it's kind of our family's uh, Abbott and Costello moment of who's on first. Yeah, perfect game. No, an actual perfect game. What about you? I know that even in the time we've been friends, I know that a no-hitter has been kind of your holy grail. Now that you've actually experienced a few and also others, I mean, it doesn't have to be an in-person, but what is your favorite, whether in person, on TV, or just historically? So I don't have one off the top of my head that was my favorite that I witnessed, but David Wells, uh, his perfect game was in 98. So I would have been two, and my dad and I were outside and we had one of those little um, little tykes, like kiddie pools. Um, and so he's filling up the kiddie pool for me to, to go outside and do something, I'm sure, mm-hmm. just to keep me entertained for a little bit. And my mom, before my obsession with baseball took over and then she got into it with us, um, didn't know what a perfect game was at the time. And she was inside and she came outside and said, what's a perfect game? And my dad, like, is sitting there and he looks at her and he goes, why? <laughs> like, this stern voice, like, oh, my God, why? And um, my mom had heard that the announcer said it was a perfect game. And she said, I, I, they just said that David Wells threw a perfect game. And my dad said, did they use the words perfect game? Was it a no-hitter or was it a perfect game? And she was just like, well, yeah, it was a perfect. Why? How else would I know that phrase? It was a perfect game. That's what they said. Popped up right field near the line. O'Neal appears to have room. He puts it away and David Wells has pitched a perfect game. And he was holding the hose at the time to fill up my kiddie pool. And he dropped it as soon as she said that. And he went sprinting inside to see what happened. Um, So my apologies, my public apologies to my father for (laughs) causing you to miss that moment when you watched so many Yankee games. Um, I obviously don't remember this moment, but I still think it's kind of funny that I forced him to miss that. Yeah, it's incredible. And one of my favorite moments, and I don't know if any of the players we'll hear from in the next segment might mention this, but I really enjoy when the fans and the entire ballpark is aware of it, even when it doesn't happen. I mean, when a guy gets through seven no-hit innings and gives up a hit to lead off the eighth, you often see a standing ovation. Already in the 2022 season, we saw two guys lose a no-hitter with two outs in the ninth. I'm stressed out just thinking about it. Crushes me. Dylan sees and Miles Michaelis. I mean, it is still incredible outings by both of them. But when the crowd is aware of it, I just think that adds a whole other level. I know. And there's only so much perspective that we can bring because in this regard, we are fans of the game. We're rooting for these no-hitters to happen. So we wanted to talk to some MLB players who have actually been involved in no-hitters on the field and can speak to that experience. We're going to hear what they had to say right after a quick break. (laughs) 
I saw Dick Boston in 1974. I was supposed to be at that game, and my friend wouldn't go because it was raining that day. It was terrible because I wanted to be at the game, and I wasn't there. Then the excitement like builds throughout the innings. Probably cool to be there. I'd like to see one. Maybe we'll see one tonight. Welcome back to Fielding Questions with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And Sarah, like I said, going into this break, we have a really great lineup of of different guys who have been part of no-hitter history, and I'm excited to get into them. So we can just jump right into it, I think. I mean, we can start with someone that I cover every day and who I was able to talk to um, about this, Cleveland Guardians manager, Terry Francona. You've got to be so good, but you also probably need to have some good fortune. Like if you look back at most of them, they'll show a guy making a play somewhere during the game, you know, that it just, just the idea that somebody can go nine innings, that's a pretty big ask. That's why it doesn't happen. You know, like I laugh when you hear people say, well, when did you know he had no hit stuff? I mean, Nolan Ryan had it every five days. It just doesn't happen. Like things have to, the world has to kind of, Things have to align. I love that he mentions the play. There is always a play. I mean, even when someone like a Shane Bieber is in the first inning, if there's an amazing play and he hasn't allowed a hit yet, there's someone out there thinking maybe that play by Andres Jimenez is going to be the play in this no-hitter. And there's so many names that really come to mind almost immediately. You think of Dwayne Wise and the catch he made for the White Sox. You think of so many guys specifically for the play that they made in a perfect gamer and a no-hitter. So I love that Tito mentioned that. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I'm doing that in my seat in the press box. I'm looking for that because, as I keep saying, I'm hoping that there's no hitters. I don't care whose side it's on. I don't care what I'm doing. I I love witnessing history. And so when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, all right, we're through four, this could happen, and there's a play made, I start looking around to everybody around me, and I'm like, that was it. It's guys, it's happening tonight. There was the play and they all hate me, Um, but it's fine. Whatever. I embrace it. Absolutely. Next, let's hear from Joe Musgrove, who grew up as a Padres fan and then through the franchise's first ever no hitter. Musgrove told our AJ Cosvell what he remembers about that start in last April. Probably the nerves of going into the start, like had a really good first start as a Padre. And we go on the road and the second start warming up, I felt so bad. Like just everything felt foreign. I couldn't make any adjustments, couldn't get anything close to the strike zone. So going into that outing and feeling very nervous about what was going to show up and then for the, for the game to turn out the way it did, that's probably the biggest thing that I remember is just everyone talks about how good did you feel that day. I'm like, it's probably the worst I felt like out of all my starts last year. So, um, yeah, just realizing that it doesn't really matter how you feel before the game. That's, that was the biggest thing that stood out. I loved that moment of Musgroves. I mean, you know, he mentioned, okay, his first few starts as a Padre, and I mentioned it leading in. The fact that it took a Padres fan on the Padres for them to throw their first no-hitter. We alluded to this before. They were the last remaining franchise to throw a no-hitter. 
for all this time it had been the Mets and the Padres who had never thrown a no-hitter. And then Johan Santana threw one for the Mets in June 2012. And from 2012 until this moment uh, in the 2021 season, there had not been a no-hitter for the San Diego Padres. And it's a silly thing. It doesn't mean, you know, to the point that Terry Francona made. Doesn't mean they hadn't had good pitching. Doesn't mean they hadn't had great games. It just means that this one specific thing hadn't happened. And the fact that it finally happened for a guy who grew up a fan of the team, I mean, it's just incredible. It was such a storybook moment. Yeah, let's. I think it's time to hear from White Sox starter Lucas Giolito, um, who pitched a no-hitter in 2020. And that game, and we're talking about the plays, that game ended on an incredible catch by Adam Engel. And Giolito walked our Scott Merkin through that moment. The last pitch of the game, I'm trying to throw a fastball as hard as I can, like to the backstop. It's so like aim high, miss higher. And then I yanked it into the zone, barrel, but we had angle out there, so very lucky. Pretty much ultimate blackout mode anyways. So like when he made the catch, it was like coming back to reality for like a second, like, oh my God, this just happened. But then just like celebrating and it didn't really like really sink in until much later that evening. I love how much of a fan Lucas Gileto is. You can feel it in that moment, just his understanding of that moment, the, oh my gosh, did this really just happen? You just see the adulation he has for the game. And I love that. I mean, luckily he was there. We've talked about those plays. There's so many names throughout baseball history. Adam Engel is a serviceable outfielder who is not necessarily an all-star, who is a guy who will always be remembered by Lucas Giolito, by all of his teammates that year, and by every White Sox fan for that moment. You know, you have a guy like Gregor Blanco who made the catch in Matt Cain's perfect game. It's very often these outfielders, which makes sense, of course, but it's really cool to hear the admiration that Giolito has as well for that catch being made. One of the unsung heroes of every no-hitter is the catcher. Former Red Sox catcher Jason Veritek is tied for the MLB record with four no-hitters caught in his career. Derek Lowe, Chanho Park, Clay Buckles, and John Lester. Veritek told us he thought differently about pressure in those games. You know, I think the pressure starts to really flip-flop to the hitter. Um, you know, and I heard this a long time ago, and it was either David Cohn or uh, David Wells. And I think some of their comments always were, you know, it rained in my head and I played with David later was, you know, they were just being aggressive. So in those moments, I've always tried to tend to be aggressive and not passive and aggressively attack hitters. And, you know, you flip points where guys have had to and starting in a three at bats, no one has a hit. The pressure starts to really mount and turn the other way. And in one, it's been just they've kind of accumulated and, you know, the the energy and the adrenaline that that the pitcher has throughout as they start getting closer and closer is more and more and more. They love the idea of being the catcher and sort of managing your pitcher 
and trying to capitalize on the fact that the batters are really going to start to press, especially when they've seen the guy twice, they still haven't gotten a hit, and that pressure continues to mount, not just on that battery, but on the guy standing there at the plate with the bat. It's fun to hear him talk about how he he talks to other pitchers who have been in that situation. He mentioned Cone, he mentioned Wells. Like you, you start thinking back of, you know, guys who have been through this process and how much you can learn from other people doing that, even if you're not in that situation just yet, which is really cool. And uh, I think that's, that's, an, a, that's a different mindset maybe from what people would think about because you would get more timid and tense maybe as that goes on and you want to try to make sure that you're getting every ball over the plate. You want to make sure that you're trying to hit your spots and maybe could end up getting too cute with it because you're you're trying to avoid losing it uh, as you get later into the game. But to stay aggressive, I think that's it's cool to hear a catcher's perspective of it all because they are always thinking way more than anyone else on the field. Next, let's hear from Mets closer Edwin Diaz, who talked about his closing out the second no-hitter in Mets history, a combined one in April 2022. Uh, the most thing I remember that, that everybody was saying they didn't know we was throwing a no-hitter. Um, I think I was the only one who know we got no-hitter coming to the night. So I was scared because I don't want get, to get the hit. I don't want to be the guy who give the hit in the night. Oh, my goodness. First of all, he should have known that with the power of the trumpets behind him, <laughs> there was no way that Edwin Diaz, who comes out to narco, by Blaster Jackson, Timmy Trumpet, which go listen to how electric yep. City Field is when he comes into that. He should have known that without power behind him, there would be no way he would be the one to ruin it. But I love that he was aware. And I really wonder if that's because he knows most days he's going to pitch in the ninth. Every now and then he will come in in a high leverage situation in the eighth but he's able to approach his day a little bit differently than middle reliever. He is playing, paying complete attention to the game until that moment when he needs to get ready, which is in a winning situation always around the same time. So I wonder if that's why he was more aware of it. And I like that he kind of calls out his teammates like, well, they didn't know, but I knew and I was terrified. I mean, that is that is outstanding. That's what I was going to say. Like, I know, I know combined no-nos are a thing. Like, that, that happens. I get it. But when you think of a no-hitter, you always, it's usually a starter who's in that position. And so relievers don't really have that opportunity to think about that stuff because they're like, well, that's not my thing. Well, to hear the humanized side of it, of him sitting there saying, I was scared. Oh, my gosh. I love that quote, Juan. I think that's incredible. Um, you just hear the actual emotions that come into it. You know the weight of the situation. And you're like, oh, my gosh, every reliever that came in before me, the starter who started this whole thing off, everyone's hopes of being part of this achievement are in my hands now. Um, and... Honestly, if you didn't have a little bit of that fear, I feel like you're not human. Let's go back to another catcher now and hear Steve Gilbert's interview with Dalton Varsho, who caught the no-hitter that Tyler Gilbert threw in his first career start for the Diamondbacks in 2021. 
Uh, seventh inning rolled around, and, like, that's when the nerves started, like, escalating a lot more for me. So I'm like, we're pretty close here to, like, finishing this. And um, ninth inning rolled around, I'm like, all right, this is, like, get me through this. But uh, it, it's tough. I mean, it, it's tough to calm your nerves because you want, you want that for him more than anything else. And uh, the coolest part about it was that his family was there and got to enjoy it and celebrate it after. So it was a pretty cool couple of days uh, for him and his family. Catchers always joke when we, as reporters, go to talk to them. They all make comments about, oh, I'll never get a question about me. I just need to find out what I need to tell them what was great about the starter. Um, because they just get so overlooked in the process. Uh, but one, how much pressure would that be to be the guy calling the game? Because, yeah, maybe all eyes are on the pitcher, but you know deep down that you're calling the shots a pitcher can shake you off, sure, but you're the one guiding the ship. And if you don't necessarily call the right thing, put your pitcher in a bad spot, it might feel bad on his shoulders, but the catcher's going to wear that a little bit more internally, whether the external uh, perspective is that or not. He's going to feel guilty for that, especially the later the game goes on. Um, but it's cool to hear, like every catcher, it seems like, in that response where he's only worried about how the pitcher felt. He's only worried about the pitcher getting his moment. And it's always overlooked how much they go through, and, and I especially would think in these types of moments. So um, it's it's always nice to hear their perspectives on this, and I like how, like every catcher, he puts the all of the attention back on his pitcher. And it's even cooler when you think about how inexperienced the two of them were. So I mentioned it was Gilbert's first career start who was just the fourth pitcher to throw a no-hitter in his first career start, joining Bobo Holloman in 1953, Bumpus Jones in 1892, and Theodore Brightonstein in 1891. But it wasn't just the fact that it was Gilbert's first career start. It was only Varsho's 28th career start at catcher. So... I was very excited to hear from Varsho, especially because both he and his pitcher were in such a unique situation, not just the fact that no hit bid was going, but even the fact that they were in the majors. I mean, that alone was atypical for them because they hadn't been there all that long. Let's hear one last one from Brewers catcher Victor Caratini who caught that Joe Musgrove no-hitter we mentioned earlier. He spoke with our Adam McKelvey through interpreter Carlos Brazuela. Once you get to the ninth, you know, when you have two outs, you know, you just want to get it done the easiest way possible, whether a strikeout or a slow ground ball, like it has been in my cases. And at that point, you know, as soon as you see it, you just want to run up to the pitcher and celebrate with him and the rest of the team and enjoy it. Yeah, the celebration, I think, would be so fun to really dive into of just, like, how exciting it must be for every player on the field to just be so prepared when that that last out is made, whether it's a ground ball that you see is going to be eaten up or a fly ball that's going to be caught easily. or um, And you just see everyone, like, in their ready positions as if you're at the start line of a, of a race um, and then as soon as it's made, you make that mad dash to the middle of the field. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I think it would be so ridiculously fun and special. And, um, I'm sure like a blackout moment for so many pitchers who are just in the middle of this dog pile. 
Definitely. And I love Caratini's voice getting in here because, you know, we think about catchers, current catchers who we want to hear from who have caught no hitters. Caratini caught back to back no hitters because he also caught one towards the end of 2020 for Alec Mills on the Cubs when he was still there. And I believe that he was the first catcher ever to catch consecutive no-hitters in baseball history, so in the record books, but for two different teams because the 2020 no-hitter was with the Cubs and then 2021, as we've discussed, was with the Padres with Joe Musgrove. But, I mean, I cannot imagine the pressure of being the catcher behind the plate, even when a pitcher is dealing, let alone throwing a no-hitter. And that anticipation of that final moment, those final outs, as he was saying, get it done as quick as possible. I mean, it just seems really, really stressful. Yeah, I'd say uh, the most stressful day that you could possibly imagine in that role. So um, it's cool to hear from players. It's cool to hear from pitchers, catchers. Um, also, in my case, we're talking to a manager. Uh, getting all of those perspectives really helps us add to our own perspective of answering our original question of why do no-hitters occupy such an important place in the narratives of baseball. And I think that we are able to put together some sort of an answer to that whenever we get back from a break. So let's step aside real quick and we'll try to answer our question when we come back. never forget I mean that was one of those things where if you're a baseball fan even though it was the other team it was like you wanted to see it happen David Wells the Yankees he had 18 Heinekens the night before came in through a perfect game the next day yeah I tell you I didn't get out of my seat but it wasn't because I was superstitious or anything it just seemed to work I was just in the zone welcome back to fielding questions with me Mandy Bell Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com and the wonderful Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And Sarah, I know that we have so many different perspectives in here uh, now, and it's fun to hear from players. I love always getting the inside scoop on what they're thinking. Um, and it sort of helps us get an idea of like why no hitters uh, occupy such an important place in the narrative of baseball. I really think a lot of it has to do with the history, which we made reference to, we talked about, couple different sort of historic moments with the Musgrove no-hitter being the Padres first and the combined inexperience for Tyler Gilbert and Dalton Varsho. But as you mentioned at the top, there's only been a couple more than 300 of these in baseball history. Every starting pitcher who goes out has the chance to do this or start one of these at the very least. And the fact it's only happened that many times is, I think, something that they're really aware of. And, you know, you mentioned jinxes. And that mm -hmm. reminds me of something we didn't quite cover. We covered sort of the players in those moments and not talking to the guy on the bench, anything like that. But I feel like social media has put jinxes on a whole oh, other yeah. level. You tweet about it and people say, oh, you ruined it. It is incredible, mm -hmm. the power that we apparently have as people who talk <laughs> about baseball to control what goes on on the field. But 
notwithstanding and ignoring my joke there, I do think that <laughs> the fact that people get so riled up about a no-hitter being quote-unquote jinxed just tells you how important they are to people. The fact that a fan is sitting there in the stands, on their couch, wherever it might be, listening or watching a game, and they feel that someone messed it up for them, I think that just shows the depth of emotion that they really generate, these bits and no-headers. Absolutely. I mean, I've said it before, and I promise you I will say it a trillion more times. I love history in this game. I think it's even more special because how rich the history is. Um, And so anytime we're able to witness something that has only happened a handful of times, and I know 300 doesn't sound like a handful, but when you think back, 1800s was so long ago. When you get to be as lucky as anyone in attendance, I know you were able to be in attendance for something like that. It's special. It it really is like a a core memory, especially for kids during those years of development where you're just falling in love with baseball and you get to have this memory that you get to hold on to. You can tell your your children, your grandchildren. Like, It's just something that is passed along from generation to generation. And I think that's what's so special about this game. Um, So I think that's it's just it's so important just because baseball history is so important and to be able to witness it just makes it so special that's so wonderful and i would be remiss if i didn't mention one other no hitter memory of mine because if you've been to a major league no hitter i feel like you do need to mention it on this podcast and the other one that i was at major league wise was max scherzer's second no hitter in 2015 it was the second game of a doubleheader. It was freezing cold and kind of rainy at City Field. He tied the record for the most strikeouts in a no-hitter, and it was a joy to watch, even though I remember being freezing. So that is a great memory, even, even with the shivers. But we want to hear about your favorite no-hitter memories. So tweet at us. I'm at Slangs on Sports. Mandy is at MandyBell02. Tell us which no-hitters you remember and why you think they're so special. Absolutely, as always. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show, which we always hope you are, or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Fielding Questions is a production of MLB Originals hosted by me, Mandy Bell, and Sarah Langs. This episode was produced by Ian Kay and mixed and sound designed by Alexander Overington. Thanks, as always, to all the reporters who helped us get audio for this episode and to Matt Myers, Brett Blueweiss, Anthony Kastrovitz, and Matt Monaghan. 